Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Make sure you read the loan docs and understand what you're really getting yourself into. With Google out there, you can kind of Google all the ups and downs, and I would just make sure you do your research. Best ever listeners, before we jump into today's episode, for all my fix and flippers out there, are your financing costs eating away at your bottom line? And are you looking for a way to increase your overall profits by lowering your loan payments to the bank or maybe your private lender? Well, our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, you know Patch of Land, they've been on the show, representatives of their company have been on the show many times. They've been a sponsor of this show many, many times. They're back for more because they love you and they love working with the best ever listeners and they've got an interesting point of view on interest rates and that is that it's the interest rates that we are quoted shouldn't necessarily be taken at face value because perhaps a higher interest rate could actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan and they have a white paper on how that is possible and how that is, can be applied to your fix and flip business to help your bottom line get more profitable and to help you choose the best uh, lender for your financing needs. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless, and they've got a white paper for you, and it will walk you through the way to evaluate interest rates in terms in general on your loan so that you truly are getting the best interest rate. Because there are some tricky things some lenders try to do to um, glaze over the fact that their lower interest rate, quote unquote, is actually higher based on some technical things that they put into it. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless and get that white paper so that you can save money on your fix and flip projects. Patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff with us today. Austin Peak. how you doing, Austin? Good. How about yourself, Joe? I'm doing well and nice to have you on the show and looking forward to diving in. Austin is the founder and principal of Riverstone Recap, which is a commercial real estate mortgage firm. He's originated over $60 million in commercial mortgage loans across the country over the last four years. And congratulations. He recently launched a podcast called Millionaire Interviews. So you got lots of exciting things happening. Congrats on that. Yeah, no, thank you very much. It's just something different to do other than just real estate. So I figured I'd go ahead and give it a try. 
Absolutely. And I'm sure that it ties into your business in some form or fashion. At least I hope it does. Yeah, it definitely does. I have some real estate guys on, but for me, I talk to people in all different types of industries. So just want to become a popular podcaster like yourself. Cool. Good stuff. Well, you're based in Jacksonville, Florida. Besides that, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, I am in the commercial real estate mortgage side So versus residential. I only work on commercial. Generally deal on loans with one to 10 million in origination size. That's kind of my sweet point and can do deals all across the country. So even though I'm in Jacksonville, Florida, this is one of the nice things about what I do. If one of your listeners, hey, I want to get into real estate, but I don't want to just stay in one market. What I do is I work on deals in South Carolina, California, New York, wherever. I never even have to go see the property. So that's one of the beautiful things about what I do on the finance end. It's it's really just about the numbers and not so much about going door to door and selling people and buying a home. How do you decide what range of loan space that you want to be in? You said you're in the one to 10. Really, after you do above $1 million, basically every transaction is almost the same. So I could do up to $200 million. And there's plenty of guys say, yeah, I do the $1 million range to $200 million, whatever. But really, once you get above $10 million in the loan amount, again, I can go up to 20 30 40 Basically, it's going to be the same type of lenders that do a $10 million deal are normally going to be closer to a $100 million deal. But a lot of those originations that get above $10 million there's usually private companies that are buying like office buildings, for example. So they don't normally need a mortgage broker. They don't need to normally come to me, an independent mortgage broker. They already know what guys to go to. And normally they own billions of dollars worth of commercial real estate. So they usually don't go to any brokerage companies and they just do it all in-house. Okay. So you have the ability to do above 10, but you don't have as many potential clients. Exactly. Yeah. So my niche just happenstance has been one to 10 million because I found out that's a niche where I can help the most owners because if you're going underneath the $1 million range, usually those are just a local bank. Like if you're buying a very small, like single tenant office building that might be worth 500K or whatever. So those are usually just small bank loans. I deal on the intermediate where, hey, maybe it's a grandma or grandpa owns a Walgreens and they need financing on it. And that Walgreens happens to be in Tennessee, but they live in Florida. Well, what stinks for them is that usually they can't get financing in Tennessee because they don't live in Tennessee. So usually that loan range is going to be in the one to five million range. So they don't know where to go. So I'm the perfect guy to help them when you're looking in that loan range because they're obviously smart enough to be able to buy commercial real estate and be able to get a loan amount that high, but they're not doing commercial real estate day to day. They're probably only refinancing every five or 10 years. So that's where I I help out the most owners. Where are you getting the loans from? Most of my lenders are called CMBS lenders, Mm -hmm. commercial mortgage-backed security, or life insurance companies. So life insurance companies actually lend out just like a bank, but their terms are a little bit different. So those are usually the two types that I go to on a regular basis. I can go to Fannie and Freddie as well, but some owners like to go to them directly. It just depends on where the property is and what the owner is looking for. Like I said, most people that I work with, they usually own probably three to 10 commercial properties. And again, this is just general. Some of them own one, some of them own 20, 30, or even more. But generally speaking, they own a few. So they're refinancing all those loans every couple of years or every five or 10 years. And they're just rolling at different times. So usually they call me because, hey, they don't need to look at the loan market, but every one year, two or years, or every three years. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the pros and cons for CMBS 
insurance companies and an agency loan. So Freddie or Fannie. What I like to do, if it's all right with you, is yeah, just a, take, we'll, for, yeah, we'll first talk about the difference between, let's say, a bank loan and then a CMBS or life insurance company loan. So what I was talking about earlier, I live in Jacksonville. If I own a, an office building in Jacksonville, Florida, that's worth $2 million bucks, and I want just a $1 million loan, 50% LTV, some of those people might go to a bank. And what a bank usually does is they'll have a loan term that maxes out at three years or five years or sometimes just one year, and they just have different options. So every one to three or five years, I'm usually refinancing that or doing the loan again with them. And usually that amortization schedule is like 20 years. So it's not very long. And then also the other thing is that most of those banks require recourse. I was just listening to one episode right before this of your podcast where I think a lot of owners find out what the difference is between recourse and non-recourse when you're signing a loan. Mm -hmm. So almost every bank requires a recourse. There's some special exceptions but I'd say 95% of them require that. Mm-hmm. And recourse real quick is if something goes wrong, the bank can come after you financially versus non-recourse. It can't unless you trigger some sort of obscure clauses. Exactly. So that's the number one difference between say a local bank. If I went to go do a loan with that local bank at $1 million, or if I went with a life insurance company at $1 million, usually if it's a lower LTV, the life insurance company is interested in it and they usually do non-recourse loans. So even if something went bad with the property of a single tenant and they left, they can only go after the loan amount and not your personal property and everything else. So that's one difference between a bank and CNBS slash life insurance companies. The other one is you can get a longer amortization schedule. And also it depends on, there's gradual differences between all of them, but you lock in a term, generally speaking, for a life insurance company up to 25 years. So it could be like a 25-25. So at the end of 25 years, you pay zero. One of the negatives is that there is a prepayment penalties if you're doing a life insurance company loan or a CMBS loan. So you can't pay it back early. Usually you can only pay it back three months before the maturity date. So if it's 10-year loan, usually you can pay it back nine years and nine months right after that, you can start paying it back without penalty. So those are the subtle differences between a bank and then life insurance company slash CMBS. Just so I'm summarizing it correctly, and these are just generally speaking, local bank, the loan term maxes out between one to three years. Whereas with a life insurance company, that would be the opposite end of the spectrum. You could do maybe 25 years on a 25 year amortization. Exactly. Most banks require recourse, whereas CMBS and life insurance, it can be non-recourse. And the disadvantage, one of them that you mentioned with CMBS and life insurance would be the prepayment penalties tend to be pretty steep compared to a local bank that might have more flexibility, which really, if it's a one to three year term, then that doesn't even factor into it because it's such a short period of time. Exactly. So that's part of the reason that they don't even worry about it because usually your term is so short anyhow. It's not worth negotiating. Okay. What about the fees involved for bank versus CMBS? And and you basically steered us in the direction of grouping CMBS and life insurance into the same category versus banks. Yeah, I can differentiate between those. I know we only have so much time. So the difference between CMBS, if we're going life insurance companies, they're both non-recourse again, but usually CMBS is going to cost you a lot more as far as closing costs because attorney fees can range up to 25000 
for closing a deal. That's even we're talking a single tenant. We can get it lower to maybe 20. I've even seen 15. But the big thing is because they're using New York lenders and New York lenders use New York attorneys. So that's why the fees for closing a CMBS loan are usually higher. But the amortization schedule for them, they can usually go out to 30 years versus a life insurance company. Usually we're talking about, depending on the loan size, again, we're talking about one to one and a half percent closing costs. That's without the broker fee. A broker fee is generally 1% as well. So I say all in, you're looking at about 2% on a life insurance company loan. But to close that, there's way less closing costs and there's usually way less headache because the CMBS, again, is just all these lenders that are securitizing a group of loans. So your one loan is usually a package of maybe 50 loans. They basically package all those together and then sell them on Wall Street. I want to make sure I heard you correctly. Will you repeat the life insurance estimated closing costs and the CMBS? You said 2%, but I wasn't sure which one you're talking about because I think it got mixed up in my head. I would say generally speaking that, and again, CMBS, what they can do is they can work it into the rate. So it's going to look maybe about the same on the closing cost, but all in, I would just say for both of them, it's slightly higher with the CMBS loan because instead of the $5,000 attorney that you're using for a life insurance company loan, you're using usually a $25,000 attorney for a CMBS loan. So you might be adding 15 to 20,000 mm-hmm. to the closing costs. But in general, if you add them all up, I'd say it's 2% for closing these loans. Again, the smaller the loan, it really doesn't matter if I'm closing a $1 million loan versus a $10 million loan, it's not going to be 2% on the $10 million loan. We're going to talk less than 1%. So it, it doesn't really change much. It's just the smaller the loan amount, the higher the percentage, right? Because all mm-hmm. these are fixed costs the appraisal, all the third-party reports, et cetera. Mm-hmm. What I try to do for my clients, and I don't think enough brokers do, or I put it in a what I call a quote matrix where I'll put three or four of our best lender quotes, put in Excel, say, hey, put the terms, the amortization, the differences between each one so you can compare apples to apples. Because I know it's especially like talking over a podcast that maybe it gets confusing. Hey, Austin's talking about all these different things. And trust me, I've been doing it for almost 10 years. So it gets even confusing to me just saying it verbally. But when I put in a quote matrix, so you can actually compare apples to apples, see which guys and what your overall rate is after you pay the closing costs. That's what I try to do so they can make the most wise decision for them. What are the components of a quote matrix? What categories? It's term amortization. And then I'll put in closing costs, right? Because that matters obviously a lot. Bringing up one right now. So make sure I can just read off exactly one. Then put in the interest rate so we can see what the actual spread is. So also for a CMBS loan, here's the difference between this and a life insurance company is that they'll usually require reserves for tenant improvements and leasing commissions and also for capital expenditures. So I'll put that in the quote matrix saying, hey, this lender requires 80 cents per square foot of reserves versus this one only requires $1.15 or this one requires actually zero because it's a life insurance company and they don't care about that part. So basically, I'm just taking a lot of different calculations where I put it all in one where they can look, hey, this is my interest rate if I add in all the closing costs. So although the interest rate might look higher on, say, a life insurance company, but overall, it might be lower because if you factor in the closing costs of the other one, even though the CMBS lender might look a little bit lower, once you add in all that closing costs, you're like, oh, my overall rate's actually not as good. So when you get 15 page documents from these lenders, 
it gets complicated, right? I'm there just to try to make it uncomplicated and try to put it again all in a simplified form for them. And do you have prepayment penalty in there too? Yeah, I'll put that exactly. So some of them are like what it is for CMBS is this defeasance is called the prepayment penalty. And then the prepayment penalty for life insurance companies is yield maintenance. Those have their own calculator. CMBS is pretty complicated as far as the defeasance penalty. So yeah, I'll put that all in there for them. Again, I'm just trying to simplify it. So even though it might not sound like it from me talking right now, but I promise you I'm a visual person. So that's why I try to visualize it and put it all in something that they can actually compare it to. Mm -hmm. And then you'll probably have the loan to value, right? Right. And then there's usually a minimum debt coverage ratio, or there's also a minimum debt yield. So all these lenders use different percentage or terms to make sure that, hey, I make sure that they get their loan amount. So I look at what the actual NOI, that's net operating income is of the property and make sure we're meeting their loan to value Mm -hmm. because they could quote a higher loan amount that they're willing to do a higher loan amount. But if it exceeds their loan to value, the way they calculate it, because each lender is going to calculate it a little different then Hey, we're not going to get the loan amount that they're quoting. They might be quoting a $2 million loan, but Hey, using my matrix. And if I'm using 75% LTV and based on their underwriting in the past, I think the max loan amount we're going to get is 1.8 million. Mm-hmm. So those little calculations, those really make the difference to make sure the owner picks the right lender. And then also I'd tell them which ones are the easiest to close with because some of them are very difficult. They're like, it might take three times longer with one lender versus another. So I'll just tell them my past experiences on who's been the easiest to close with. If you send me your quote matrix and just black out or erase whatever private information you have, can we share it with the best ever listeners? Definitely. And actually I put something else together too. I put a list together of 150 commercial real estate lenders. I put a link on my website and I could put another one where it directs to both of them. Oh, it's, let's um, just do that. Yeah, yeah. So how how can they get that? Where do they go? It's millionaire-interviews.com. And then if you do backslash best ever, I already have it set up so you can see what it looks like. All you have to do is put in your email address and you'll be sent a list of lenders that has 150 of them that basically I put, hey, this guy likes to do this type of deal, retail, office, or multifamily, and what their general loan ranges are. I try to be as transparent as I can because I thought that'd be the most useful, but I can also put a quote matrix one together that I'll send to you as well. Yeah, it'd be good. I've obviously gotten a bunch of quote matrix for our deals and it's fascinating to look at and look at all different ways you can analyze it. And since you mentioned that you got one that you put together, I think the best ever listeners would enjoy that. Your URL, what is it again? It's millionaire-interviews.com. And then if you just do backslash best ever, then it redirects you right there. So how about you just email my assistant afterwards and then we'll make sure we have that link in there because it might get misconstrued on that. That's a kind of a, a long, ugly URL. So we'll, we'll get it so they, they can easily get there. All right, cool. So that's that. Based on your experience as a lender, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? To make sure you read the loan docs and understand what you're really getting yourself into with Google out there. You can kind of Google all the ups and downs and I would just make sure you do your research. Mm -hmm. What are some things that a client of yours who hasn't worked with you a lot, but is working with you on their first couple deals, they tend to overlook? The ease of the transaction. So again, just because one lender is quoting maybe 100K or 200K more in the loan amount, if their metrics are not being met, 
then they're going to cut the loan proceeds right before we close. And then my owner is going to be ticked off. So the main thing is that's what I try to get over and tell them. I'm like, Hey, these guys are give us the best interest rate and they're giving us the best loan amount. But I want you to know that these guys can be difficult to deal with that over a two month, three month closing that sometimes they'll say, Hey, we need to cut the loan term or whatever. So that's the main thing is trying to get over that hurdle with the owner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that has happened before I've interviewed guests on the show who that unfortunately took place and they weren't able to close on their loan because the lender said on the closing day that they weren't getting approved. And episode 599 is titled Big Money Raised Investor Partner Set. And on the closing day, the lender says dot, dot, dot. Mark Massier, he's a billion-dollar real estate developer and a friend of mine. He is the interview guest, and he talks about a disaster situation where just that happened. Right. I know which ones do that because I've had one or two do that to me before where they do it the day or two beforehand where they'll try to cut the loan amount or raise the interest rate 0.05%. And that being a real estate owner, these guys, it's not even about the extra percent is that they try to screw them at the end and they're going to remember that. And then they're like, Hey, I'm not going to do the loan with you. Those are the lenders that you got to watch out for. They might have all the best terms, but if a broker hasn't closed with them before, it gets a little iffy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It is not just about black and white. It's the, the gray space in between and knowing who's an ally of yours and what type of relationship you have with them. Exactly. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's go. Let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Today's sponsor, Patch of Land, has got the document for you that you've got to check out if you're a fix and flipper. They show you how a higher interest rate can actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan and conversely, how a lower interest rate could deliver a higher cost to your fix and flip loan. Needless to say, you got to know this stuff to identify the best loan terms. Go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Get this document, patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. The Corporate Investor Podcast is geared towards successful corporate employees with high income jobs looking to create a second stream of income. You'll hear from successful real estate investors on the show as they describe how they got started investing while working their full-time corporate job. Listen and subscribe at thecorporateinvestor.com. That's thecorporateinvestor.com. Best ever book you've read? I've got two of them right here. One is called The Real Estate Game by William Porview, and he's a Harvard Business School. And if you want to get into commercial real estate, he has all these different stories about different property types and how to look at it. So I love that. I mean, I've read it six or seven times and highlighted and underlined things. The second one is if you're trying to get into brokering, even though, again, I'm in the commercial side, your first year in real estate by Dirk Zeller, I think it's like a $15 book, but it gave me a lot of ideas on how to grow my own mortgage brokerage business. Little tips that you don't think of, maybe when you want to start a business, they're in there. So I'd recommend those two books. Do you invest in deals? No, not investing. I've, I've done some residential flips, but I've not gotten the commercial one yet. But best ever deal that I've done personally, I, I looked at it as probably my first one because that gave me the confidence to go ahead and do other deals. It was called the Austin Laurel Building, which is funny because, I mean, it was my first name. And there's a girl in high school who used to hate me and her name was Laurel. So, um, <laughs> that, so Austin, the Austin Laurel Building in Tampa, Florida. That was my first deal. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? Probably not supporting the owners the whole way as far as checking in or handholding because 
to me, what I'm really good is doing all the upfront stuff. Again, throwing in quote matrices, making sure that I can compare them and give them apples to apples comparisons. But I'm not the best at, hey, I want to let you know where you're at every week, checking in, letting them know, even though I'm doing that on the back end to make sure the deal's getting done. Just communication, I think, is always key. So that's probably always one thing that I need to work with as far as just letting the owners know where we're at all the time. What's the best ever way you like to give back? Really, it's been now through my podcast. I wanted to do something new and I felt like it was a way to give back to people who want to start their own businesses. I was making a lot of old rich guys more rich is what I like to say with the commercial real estate and mortgage brokering and want to do something a little different. So I've been doing that and that's been my best way of giving back. I think so far is just trying to interview entrepreneurs and inspire people who want to start their own businesses. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? Best way is Austin at millionaire-interviews.com. Cool. And I have since discovered the link and I guess what was throwing me off was that dash millionaire-interviews.com forward slash best ever. Don't have to remember it. It's in the show notes link and I am officially subscribed to your newsletter. I'm going to get that guide for the lenders and their contact info and looking forward to seeing that debt matrix too once you have that up and running. And thank you for being on the show. This was jam-packed full of practical and specific insight into the lending world and how to think about it, pros and cons of bank loans and CMBS and insurance companies, what to think about, what to compare against, and the overall approach that we should take in terms of it's not just about the numbers, it's also about your relationship with the lender to make sure that Even though the numbers look good, the relationship is even better so that everyone delivers on what they say they're going to deliver on. Yeah, no, absolutely. And like I said, I would just say one last word of wisdom is just at the finance end, there are a lot of sketchy guys. So I've got my CCIM, which is a top 1% in commercial real estate, and I got my master's in real estate. So make sure those people that you're dealing with on the finance end have some credentials Mm because I will tell you time and again, I feel bad for the owners that get screwed by it because there's a lot of sketchy finance guys with hard money out there that are trying to screw the owners out there. I agree. There are a lot of people who are not of integrity, especially in that space. I've come across it. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again, Joe. The Corporate Investor Podcast is geared towards successful corporate employees with high income jobs looking to create a second stream of income. You'll hear from successful real estate investors on the show as they describe how they got started investing while working their full-time corporate job. Listen and subscribe at thecorporateinvestor.com. That's thecorporateinvestor.com.